Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing with your hosts, Asif Khan and Abriana Lopez. All right, we are back with your favorite podcast show of the week. This is This Week in Location-Based Marketing, episode number 434, and we are recording live on Monday, September the 30th in the evening. Uh, that's why it's dark where Abriana is, and it's just late in general. And uh, yeah, tomorrow's October. How are you? I'm good. Uh, tomorrow's my brother's birthday, one of them. Well, so, uh, yeah, but um, I'm good. You know, it's been a busy Monday. Uh, yeah. I feel like it should be a Friday, but, you know, life is good. And gearing up for lots of um, travel and all kinds of things coming up, including uh, some people coming here to yeah. my city, getting prepared for that, for Retail Loco. And I know you're gearing up for that as well, right? Yeah, it's uh, it's like we're in the in the home stretch now. I feel like once we hit October one, it's like, you know, all the last minute things and speaker prep and panel prep and you know all that sort of stuff. But it's coming together. Yeah, I'm excited. So, so yeah, if you don't have your ticket yet, October twenty one and twenty two, we are in Atlanta, Abriana's hometown, and uh, yeah, at the Atlanta Tech Village, great uh, uh, set of speakers coming together for that. So get your ticket. Right now, go to retaillow.co. That's right. That's it. All right. So we got three industry news stories, three member news stories. Super uh, concise show for you this week. Abriana will start it off. All right. So we are kicking it off with something around AR. Uh, Verizon Media is kind of messing around with some AR advertising. Um, so what this will enable advertisers to do, obviously, is offer ads that will allow consumers to engage with augmented reality. So products in a 3D environment, they can kind of engage with them. So it's overlaid in the real world. Um, this will be utilizing, obviously, the phone's camera and screen. Um, now, they initially debuted this with Yahoo Mail not that long ago, and apparently they saw just like crazy levels of engagement, which makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. um, so they were saying this is like unprecedented level of user engagement, so now we're going to roll this out on their Moments, um, as, their, as their Moments platform, which is more of their mobile platform here. Um, well, you know, obviously they're making these decisions because they've seen some decline in, in some of their, their other sales. And so uh, their revenue fell almost 3% year over year. So womp womp of $1.8 billion in uh, Q2, you know, that's just awful. That's it. Yeah. That's it, you know. Um, but, you know, the gains are mostly in their native and mobile offerings, but they saw declines in desktop. So, I mean, I think that's to be expected. Um, you also have to think about the fact that, you know, mobile devices are much more prolific than they used to be. Whereas I think like laptops probably were, or computers in general were probably, you know, 20 years ago were much more than a norm. And now, you know, things are catching up. And also something else that's really interesting is that smart smartphone penetration um, went to 85% in 2018 in the U.S., um, which means that they've kind of tapped out the market from a telecom perspective, right? So from the typical engagement that they have as a subscriber and a carrier kind of relationship, they're really kind of have maximized that. So now they're trying to say like, what else can we do to diversify this revenue and still grow? So the good thing about these types of um, advertising opportunities is that, you know, 5G is right around the corner. It'll allow for faster download speeds, better experiences, you know, all of these engagements that need this like really high quality 
and immersive experiences. So, um, you know, I think this is good. Like, I think that anything that you can do to drive engagement with an ad is really what you're trying to do. I mean, that's what advertising is about, right? Trying to have the consumer engage mm -hmm. with you, want to learn more about your brand, brand recognition, um, you know, obviously leading to purchase and loyalty. Um, so moving the, the consumer kind of down that funnel. And if you're not doing something from an advertising perspective that's engaging the consumer in the first place, then maybe you kind of need to check what you're doing, right? Um, so anything that you can do to engage further makes more sense. I mean, I would assume that, you know, you look at an AR ad as likely as costly as like a video ad or maybe more, you know, you're probably looking at like a $30 CPM, who knows? I'm sure it's really expensive, but for those advertisers that can't afford to do it and have a product that would be a cool, um, you know, AR experience, I think this is a great thing that, you know, they should be pushing and trying out, um, you know, this is sort of a great, to me, this is a great uh, use case of AR because it is all about engaging the consumers. And it's not something that's like making them download an app or go somewhere or do something, you know, it's just uh, time sensitive and context uh, sensitive. Um, so I like it. Yeah, I like it too. I think um, for me, what I like about it is, is as you pointed out, I think from a mobile operator point of view, everywhere around the world, I mean, uh, subscriber, bases are uh, are declining there's a lot of um you know attrition in those bases a lot of movement uh, of consumers going from one to the other and switching um so customer retention is always an issue um but i think you know it, it really is about finding new revenue streams right and i think um especially uh in a market like the u.s i think i think that um you have such a big base of users and um and, and I think that there's a there's a, as you said 1.8 billion loss alone right in the quarter I think it was what it was or is it yeah 1.8 no, it was down to 1.8 billion but they oh, down sorry down to three percent so okay well that's it right yeah okay so uh, any anyhow um, you, you know regardless of how you look at it you need to find new revenue streams and I think AR is one of those things where um, as we go to 5G as we go to these higher speeds and you know, it means that you have networks that can handle video, that can handle the processing, that can handle, you know, the sort of this rich media type of stuff, right? And AR is a good a good fit for that. Um, you know, for for me, I think doing it on mobile, doing it on you know mail, like they've talked, like they tested, um, you know, per your uh, description, I think is interesting. You know, for me, I think there's still this um, missing piece, which is print isn't gone. Like it's, it, it's still around. And I think that, you know, you need to find ways if you're going to do it here, I think what you need to do as a, as a brand, as an advertiser who might be wanting to take advantage of this, think about how you layer it across all of your media campaigns all at the same time. So, you, you know, I'm running whatever campaign I'm running, but like activate the AR mobile, activate the AR at the same time on the same campaign in, in, you know, if you're doing print magazine advertising or whatever, and have it be consistent to drive as much engagement as possible. And I think if the media companies can kind of figure out a way to get together and, and make that happen, like obviously you got AT&T and Time Warner and all that, you know, working together. I think that's where you're going to see real adoption happen because you start to engage people at every form of media that they're, uh, that they're working. That's it. I like it. All right. So uh, on to our second story. Um, there's a company out there, an app company out there called, I think it's Paired is how I'm going to say it, P-A-R-E-D. 
And this is an app platform, really, really cool. Uh, it's all about serving the, the you know, the underemployed uh, uh, or, or the unemployed in some cases. Um, and uh, really about matching restaurants in various cities that they operate in with uh, available uh, staff and workers. Um, so finding people nearby uh, to, you know, the restaurants in those cities uh, to, uh, to facilitate those kinds of, uh, of partnerships and relationships. And, you know, when I read this story, it, it was like, it was like almost like winding the clock back for me about 15, 20 years ago, almost. Because um, he, right here in Toronto, we had a little company um, that was one of the first, you know, early pioneers in SMS uh, marketing. Um, and they actually built a platform um, I think they had McDonald's Canada as a client at the time and in QuickServe in particular you have situations all the time where you know because of the nature of uh, you know that employee uh, category you know you often it's often young young kids you know it's their first job whatever um, you know they're out drinking all night partying whatever and then like they have a shift in the morning but they don't show up or they don't even call in or whatever the case might be and then now the restaurant's sitting there stuck trying to figure out how they're gonna fill the shift and so what they did was is they built this platform where over SMS where they could put all the employees phone numbers into a system and then they would just when when somebody you know said that they weren't coming or just didn't show up, they could do an instant broadcast email or broadcast text to everybody and just find somebody to fill that shift right away, like on a first come first serve basis. And in a lot of ways, this is that, but like way more sophisticated, way cooler. Um, it operates now, they're doing this in New York, San Francisco and Washington DC and looking to roll this out into other, other cities, including Philly and Boston in the next little while. And really, it's it's about linking you know these these groups together. Um, what's really interesting is, is this isn't quick serve. I mean, maybe it does serve you know work in that in that sector uh, of the industry as well. But they've got like thirty Michelin star restaurants using this platform. They've got you know all sorts of different uh, categories uh, on this platform about you know finding people locally you know who can who can fill those jobs. And they've got um separate apps for the restaurant operators and, and as well as the uh the uh the pros that they call them uh, experienced professionals and it's both a apple and android um they even have a paired website for restaurant uh, operators to go and sign up and check out the service and play around with it really really interesting like it, it's it, to me like this is how you show real value in a b2b context you know, or B2B to C really uh, context of, you know, providing real value based on location, knowing what's going on around you, uh, you know, for those local businesses. When we talk about, you know, how, to, how can SMBs, you know, use location data? It's not only about big companies, people like this is how you use location data, right? In an effective business way. And at the same time, you know, connecting people for jobs. So I love it. I love this too. I mean, I do think that it's a great um, use case. Uh, it just makes sense. I'm like, well, why hasn't this been done in this way before? You know, like we've been dealing with Uber for how many years now, you know, and, and this is just such like a straightforward use case of getting people to jobs um, and connecting companies with, you know, skilled workers. So I really like this. I think, um, you know, my, I, <laughs> my thought was like, 
well, what happens to the employees who didn't show up? And uh, are the new employees like ranked, you know, are they giving like star ratings or, you know? <laughs> and I think that's what they have to do. So it says in here, it says uh, like for, for an employee, um, like what they call a restaurant professional, they have to have their work history verified and approved and references and all of that before they can be put into the system. Uh, and then they can apply for all sorts of different gigs from, you know, uh, line cooks to prep cooks, you know, front of house staff, et cetera. And, um, yeah, so I'm sure there's some sort of rating system going on. Yeah. I think especially for the chefs like that don't necessarily need to know, you know, what like line prep stuff, you may not need to know the menu, obviously going into a Michelin star restaurant and being a server, you probably need to know all the, you know, all the specialties and, you know, know the, the menu by memory and the wine pairings and that gets really complicated. But I think to, to your point, like this makes sense. It's, it's a great cause. Um, it makes you think like, what else can we be pairing together for the social good? Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, I like it. Awesome. All right. So we've been talking a ton about, um, all of this, like Amazon go play and, how seamless and cashierless checkouts could work, um, kind of taking out the, um, I guess, like the middlemen of the whole process. And here's yet another company that is launching in Seattle, um, sort of focused on this. So um, these are two former Amazon employees that got together and decided that there is an opportunity here. Um, so they launched a company called Vive, um, that's V-E-E-V-E, -E -E, and obviously based in Seattle, and they're just coming out of stealth mode now. Um, so this is a smart shopping cart that they will sell to, you know, Whole Foods, for example, if Amazon wants to buy that. Um, so it, it enables a cashier list experience. So basically what happens is customers go in, they grab a cart, and they start to shop. Um, so when they walk in the store, they grab the cart, they scan this QR code on the cart with their phone and the store recognizes the shopper. Um, it can see the shopper can see like their past purchases. They can see recommended products. Um, they can see personalized deals based off of loyalty programs and different things they may be a part of. Um, also the loyalty programs could also generate a lots of data, um, for the actual retailer or, you know, the, the supermarket, which right now they are dependent on, you know, other things to make sure that they are getting any type of um, data, you know, from the shoppers exactly. So there's sensors and cameras that are in the cart and these identify the products that are put in. Um, so also they have a scale that's built in. So for produce, it just automatically measures it. Mm. Um, there's they it, just in case like the, the, um, the camera is not working properly. There are barcode scanners. So that's kind of like a fallback. Um, and they can sense obviously when something's been removed from the cart as well. So it seems like they've thought of almost everything. Um, they can also say that like, um, if the, if a product's not available in the store, they can help accommodate an online order. Um, and then they can identify, uh, when a customer might need to interact with a sales associate. So for example, like they're going to purchase alcohol sales associate needs to verify their ID. Um, and at the end, the shopper just swipes their credit card. I'm assuming there's some place for bagging and you know, that's it. They said it's a pretty low cost solution when it comes to comparing it to like an Amazon go and all of the different sensors and hardware and things that they're putting in those types of stores. So it's a lower cost solution than that. 
Um, but again, you know, I find all this, this recent investment in cashier list, uh, you know, payments and checkout and shopping. It just, I mean, it's really intriguing to me because although I think that there has been some friction, um, you know, in the shopping process over time, I've never really thought like when I go shopping, like this is such a pain that I have to like check out. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so it seems like there's a lot of other things that would be sort of first before, they got to this point, but I don't know. I didn't, I didn't realize it was such a problem. You know, I kind of like just having my metal shopping cart and nothing to interact with. Like, <laughs> I yeah. don't know. Well, okay. So here, here, here's my ticket. I just went like on my way uh, home tonight, grocery shopping with my son and you know, you're pushing the cart around. The kid wants to push the cart around, you know, all of that. And if you have little kids, like usually at least my experience is, I mean, I don't know what it's like for you, Abriana, but usually the kids want to ride on the cart like at the end of the cart, like, can, you know, can a kid stand on this cart and jump up and down on it? And like, what's that going to do to the sensors and the technology, right? Like, I don't know. So there's that, um, you know, I, I, I get what they're going for. I get this whole sort of movement around, uh, you know, um, the simplified checkout and, and cashierless and all that. Here's the other interesting angle for me is we have a election happening right now in Canada for, uh, you know, our new federal government, which will happen, uh, in three weeks and one of the parties uh the green party actually um up here is uh just announced in their platform today uh, to try and woo voters that uh they are looking to pass a tax on uh retailers uh, they're calling it a robot tax that uh, choose to put automation in place uh, in in replacing actual people um so that's interesting um Super interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> you know, like, so at the end of the day, like, I think you have a lot of issues, uh, you know, here at play, right. You have just, you know, people and jobs you have, um, you know, just does this actually work in these big box environments? Does it take some of the experience out of shopping? Uh, you know, the, 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 the human part of shopping that I just described, at least with my kids and so on. Um, and then, I, I get the, you know, the, the sort of checkout piece of it. That makes sense for me. I think, you know, we can streamline that. I know, you know, we have, you know, self-checkout and things like that. Now I use that probably about half the time at different places I go. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I'm sort of 50, 50 on this one. I agree. I'm like, look, I, I love going to the, you know, to, to do like grocery shopping on my own because it's kind of like a mini vacation for a second you know, usually when I'm in there, like with my family, I'm just trying to get my kids not from knocking over like the wine displays and, you know, yeah, they do. They want to stand on the edge of the cart. It's tipping over. They're in and out. I want to sit down. I want to stand up. I want to do this. I want to do that. But also I'm not sure that I want to go through the supermarket like a Stepford wife, right? Like, is that what I want? Just like, <laughs> like a zombie walking <laughs> yeah. to put the food in the cart, you know, I don't know. So there you yeah. go. I don't know. All right. Okay, so that's our three industry news stories for this week. Uh, we'll shift over to our member news now, um, and I'll kick that part off with a story about Uber. Um, is testing uh, a new kind of delivery, uh, and they're doing this initial test in Australia. Um, so everybody's familiar with Uber, and everybody's familiar with Uber Eats and all of the, you know, how that all works. But basically, that what they're what they're contemplating, what they're testing right now, is is using an Uber Eats type of platform 
uh, in this case, to deliver everyday items like milk and bread and things like that from local grocery stores. So maybe you don't need the shopping cart at all. Maybe you just need to have somebody pick it for you and deliver it via Uber Eats. Um, and that's what they're, they're, they're testing out right now. So, um, so this is up and running with a, a store in, in Australia right now uh, using the Uber Eats platform. They say that um, uh, they saw Uber Eats itself has saw uh, revenue up 72% uh, year over year. Active monthly customers jumped 140%. Uh, so Uber Eats is, is, is in massive growth mode. Um, so this, this test right now is running in Sydney. I'm trying to get a hold of these people because we're doing a, uh, a chapter event in our Sydney chapter uh, in November. So I, I'd love to kind of have this case study locally talked about. But, you know, we've seen a little bit of this from Uber, right? Uh, in kind of discrete tests in different markets. I know here in Canada, they teamed up with... Um, Cineplex, which is the biggest movie theater chain up here, and they're doing popcorn delivery uh, from the movie theater uh, to your house when you're watching movies at home. You know, like, yeah, okay, I don't know. And then there's other weird ones going on, right? Like I, I was the other day at Baskin Robbins, and I noticed on the window they have a sticker saying they'll do like delivery of ice cream. Like, like who's like, why would I get ice cream delivered to me? Like, really? Like, it's it's, I don't know. Um, Somebody going to bring me like my glass of wine on my sofa? Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I struggle with some of these things. I, I mean, I, I think groceries in general, I, I get that. I mean, that makes sense to me. I've used it a couple of times. Uh, you know, I've done the uh, order online pickup uh, thing. Um, you know, that that works well for me. Um you know, so so I, I get this. I think it's a natural extension for Uber Eats. So I'm not going to kind of, um, you know, be negative on it. I think they've already got the infrastructure in place. They've got the drivers there. They're already doing these runs. It makes sense. You remember at Retail Local back in Seattle, we had that company from Minneapolis called Renera come mm -hmm. out and talk on a panel. So they've got this uh, partnership with Target. And what they do is, is they you know, people in your network and your community who are on the platform um, can say, hey, I'm going, I'm going, I'm doing a target run right now. And other people can see that and they can kind of jump in on it and say, hey, while you're there, can you pick up this, 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 and this for me? And Target actually pays the fee uh, for that because they want the business and the traffic. Um, so I can see like sort of that kind of concept plus Uber Eats, you know, all kind of working together. What you need to do, though, in order to make it work and scale is is kind of like Renera. You need to open it up to a wider network to reduce, number one, the number of, of cars doing deliveries, better for the environment, people. Number two, you need to um, then like leverage the social networks and the community effect to actually understand locally who's around you and what, what the needs of the people around you are. And then I think you can start to, to scale this thing. You know, I think that if you could have something like the Renara meets the smart shopping cart. So imagine like an automated Uber car yeah. that comes through the neighborhood. You take out what you need and it comes with staples. So it has like fruits and vegetables that are fresh that morning. You know, it has milk, it has bread, it has the staples. And again, you've reduced the, you know, the carbon footprint. You've obviously um, met the needs of the entire neighborhood. and um it's a lot less overhead too somebody should think of that there you go yeah you know, all right so uber eats testing milk and bread delivery in australia all right staying with the supermarkets and the food theme we are going to talk about i believe it's called albert hein is that right yep, that's right 
All right, Albert Hein is testing their own version of Amazon Go. Now, this is a Dutch retailer, and there's something about the story that I actually think has um, a little more legs to it. So what it is, is they're testing this mobile digital store, um, and the way that it works is it's designed to um, offer customers like this grab-and-go experience like we've been talking about, right? So customers can access the entrance to the store by swiping a credit card. Um, so they swipe a credit card, they get into the store, and then they go in and they shop. Um, and then when they get everything into their cart, they go stand by the exit, or when they get everything that they want, they go stand by the exit. The total will appear and it'll automatically be processed. And then the doors will, will open and the, and the shopper can leave. Um, so the, there's cameras and sensors that are used. Uh, that's the type of technology they're using in the store. And they're not using any facial recognition, which I also like, but they can kind of sense like when you take things off the shelf, what you move, what you put back. Um, obviously determine, you know, like the movements of your arms reaching to get things and the, and the, um, the various products um, and things like that. So um, the pilot store occupies only 14 square meters. So it's pretty small. And right now it's presently located in the retailer's head office in Zandam. Um, but what they're really focused on is kind of this temporary location, right? So think of things that may not need a store for the long haul, but may need more of like a pop-up, right? Mm -hmm. So a construction site that's going on where there's lots of employees there and they need to go in and out and get things throughout the day. Um, maybe like a university that's not in school year round, um, you know, certain uh, residential areas and things of that nature. So I think that that is a really unique play because I love the idea of like a, a pop-up bodega that you can just do in and out. Um, that's kind of, and you don't need an app to do this either, which is also really nice. So I think that this makes a lot of sense for something small and not overwhelming, you know, like your few items at the corner store that you may have, your sandwiches, things like that. Um, the only thing that I was not a big fan of is like the idea of having to wait before the doors open kind of freaks me out. Like what if you just need to drop everything and run out of there? Like, <laughs> and you're stuck. I don't know. I've, I guess maybe I have a fear of like being <laughs> locked in a store, but uh, besides that, I think that that uh, the pop-up idea is really cool, especially, you know, we had talked about some of these other pop-up stores that were kind of outfitting certain, um, certain, almost like a, a crate, right? And it's outfitted with the technology and then they just kind of deliver it. And then you have the ability to move it from place to place or event to event. And so, you know, having these, if you did something like that with this, I think that makes a lot of sense. You just kind of like drop off the, the store, right? You know, or it's like easily assembled. You put it together. The technology is already embedded. You stock it up and then, you know, you move it to the next place whenever that, that time period is done for it. So I think it's cool. Yeah, I, I do too. I, and I think, uh, you know, uh, we, we, we have a longstanding chapter, LBMA chapter in, in Amsterdam. Um, and, uh, Albert Hein is, you know, it's everywhere. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of like the Seven Eleven of, uh, you know, of the Dutch, uh, you know, uh, world. And, you know, it, it's, um, I, for, for me, you see this kind of thing, right? Like, you know, obviously Amazon Go is kind of focused on, on the convenience market. There's so many companies coming into this space, both in terms of the retailers testing it and the technology guys, you know, providing it standard cognition, you know, it's one of the big players that this particular installation in, 
Albert Hein is being uh, the technology behind it. It's from a company called iFi. Um, and, and, and there's tons of these guys like popping up that are building kind of solutions that are kind of, you know, just ready to go, like ready to deploy, you know, stick the cameras here and do this, do that, you know, all cloud managed, all, you know, the, the data, um, you know, managed, you know, kind of dealing with, you know, the privacy and the, and the facial recognition issues and all those sorts of things. So, you know, I, I think we're going to see more and more of these kinds of tests. The one thing I really centered in on here that I really liked, and you, you talked about it, is the lack of need for an app, right? So you enter with, you know, debit or credit card, um, you know, no different than, you know, you're going to the, uh, you know, the bank ATM machine that's, you know, behind the closed doors after hours, and then you've got to like stick the card in to unlock the door. It, it's kind of like that to me, right? Um, except that here it's, you know, it, it's groceries, it, it's products that you that you want. Um, and I get the, you know, the other aspect of it, of the doors closed when you're trying to exit. And, you know, that's a bit unnerving. But I think at the end of the day, you know, it, it's probably a one-time feeling until you kind of get in there and you get out. And then you're like, oh, okay, that was that was pretty cool. That was pretty easy, um, you know. Except for when the, the when the door doesn't work, <laughs> <laughs> or when the electricity goes out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you know, if they were to put this type of a store in like New Jersey, you would just have to like put your cash in before you go in, and then you know you're gonna like get all your stuff there, and then you're just gonna be stuck if you don't have enough money, or you're just gonna have to take things out of your cart until <laughs> it goes back to like okay now you're back at your $20 that you put in before you can, you can exit. <laughs> right. So, yeah, so there you go. If you're in uh well, I guess it's not open to the public. It's only running in the, uh, in, in the head office of Albert Hein in Zandam. And um, so, yeah, if you're an employee over there and you get a chance to play around with this, but uh, I'd love to see this thing uh, pop up and kind of play around with it in different places. So there you go. All it's right. So nicely Zandam. I think I'm probably like really wrecked it. Yeah. yeah, it's all good. All right. Um, final story. Apple. Uh, we talked about Apple's uh, new uh, release a little bit last week, but one thing that we didn't talk about, uh, and I, I just caught on to, is you know down in the bottom of kind of all the promotional materials around the iPhone 11, uh, they detail um, that they are have a built-in now uh, ultra wideband chip, uh, UB, UWB chip. Uh, that's that's in there and for us in the location world this is something that's really important um, because if you're familiar with Bluetooth beacons and all that sort of stuff we've been talking about for years and years and years you know ultra wideband is one of those technologies that has is becoming a little more popular we've talked about it on and off on the show over the last couple of years with some different players that are have been playing around with it but to have this native in the iPhone is, is super interesting because where typically, you know, GPS, you know, at its best might have three meters of accuracy and a Bluetooth beacon might give you a sort of one meter of accuracy, maybe slightly better. Here you're talking about with ultra wideband on average about 30, cent 30 centimeters of accuracy. So very, very uh, accurate, very, very narrow um, sort of, you know, zones that you can kind of look at and things like that. And it, you know, they've kind of positioned this in a very soft sell, like that, uh, you know, this is, um, you know, will improve the way we do things like airdrop and, and those types of things on iPhone. But at the end of the day, there's a lot more that I think will get enabled, you know, through just supporting ultra wideband. And, 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 and this isn't a technology that's, that's available in most devices yet today. Like most of the Android 
you know, the Google uh, phones and all of that, Samsung phones don't have this yet. So I think it's Apple's kind of pushing this out there. They're kind of like testing the waters. They're, you know, and it's one of those things where it's typical Apple. Like it's there. We're not going to talk much about it, but you know, and we're getting more strict. Uh, you know, we're, we're we're tightening up the privacy stuff, and we're cutting Facebook out, and we're cutting all these people out in terms of access to data. And then down way down in the fine print is, oh, by the way, we have ultra wideband uh, chip in there for really super accurate location, but we're only going to use it for our own stuff. And, um, you know, uh, like, like what you can do with this, like I, I was reading this article and, and they were saying, like, think about things like controlling with your Apple watch, like your smart thermostat because, you know, of the, of the, you know, the proximity of it or, um, you know, unlocking your car, you know, and all those kinds of things that you can just do because of the narrow, uh, uh, range of, of the targeting of location, the proximity uh, aspects of it. So, um, you know, I don't want to get super technical on this stuff, but I, th I think that the point is, is that for, for you location gurus out there, um, you know, don't be dismayed by all the, um, you know, sort of the, uh, the privacy discussion going around the latest uh, Apple announcements and the fact that all your apps are going to get cut off because, you know, now it's constantly broadcasting that your phone's using your location or using your Bluetooth or using this or using that and people are going to turn it all off way down in there. There's something for you too, that we just, you know, they haven't opened up to everybody yet, but it's coming. And, and I would say that every one of the manufacturers will be watching this and saying, yeah, you know, like this is the next step. This is where we need to go. So ultra wideband, you know, for all you Bluetooth people, this, this is, this is the transition path. Next, the next small thing. Um, yeah, I think this is really interesting from a third art, third party app perspective. You know, there's going to be a lot of uh, developers looking to kind of utilize this signal. Um, you know, a challenge that I think a lot of uh, providers and retailers face in terms of like attribution or just understanding the movement of people is that there's so many. Um, there's so many like retailers and stores that are really close together. You think of boutiques and, you know, things that are, you know, in a more urban area or in a strip mall or something like that. And you've got, um, the, the need for precision level, um, and very granular data is important. Um, but you know, mixed with accuracy obviously as well. And so determining people are actually where they, where that, ping comes from, you know, is really important to a lot of the advertising and marketing world. And so um, this ability, I think, will will allow a lot of um, a lot of businesses to really fine tune sort of their strategy and and maybe have a higher level of attribution with a higher level of confidence as well. So I think this is this is that thing that's kind of buried underneath all the privacy talk. And so um, I like that they sort of did like that compliment sandwich kind of thing. Like we're going to be really private. We're going to stick this in and then, you know, we're yeah. going to not share your data type of thing, but, um, it makes sense. And, um, you know, I'm always, I, I, most of the time I'm very impressed with the way that Apple conducts business and, um, handles their privacy standpoint balanced with new technology. So I expect that they'll be kind of leading this trend here. There you go. And that's our show for this week. You've been listening to episode number 434 of This Week in Location-Based Marketing. Uh, three industry news stories, three member news stories there. Um, 
And we appreciate uh, all of you listeners and watchers uh, and followers. Um, if you would like to reach out to us uh, for any reason uh, and you're watching the video, the contact information is at the end of the show. And if you're not and you're just doing the audio piece, uh, we're easily found on all the, the major social media platforms. So just Google us and uh, we're there. So thank you for listening and watching. We super appreciate it. And we'll be back, of course, next week with yet another show. And if you haven't bought your Retail Logo ticket yet, get it. RetailLow.co. All right. That's it. Bye. Bye.